So, do I have your consent? You have my consent. Ah, wonderful. Consent is a beautiful consent thing. Consent is a beautiful thing. All right, yes. so welcome everybody uh, to our latest entry into the Senate Scoots podcast. It's been a while. Yeah, since we reviewed an actual movie. Yeah, we've been busy. Black Phone? Yeah, Black Phone was the last one. That yeah. was uh, a little bit less than a month ago, but it's getting up there. Was it that long? Well, because we saw it advance. Yeah, that's and true. we didn't record until... That's true. We didn't record it. It is unjust how fast summer summer goes by. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when, like, you feel like summer should be longer. Like, I feel like my summers used to be, like, at least three months. Yeah. And now I'm, like, I'm lucky if I feel like I'm even getting two months. Yes. It's a crime. It's a crime. It's a damn crime. Support your teachers, kids. Exactly. Uh, well, anyway, I am Javier. I'm Thano. And today we are not reviewing the Black Phone. We are reviewing uh, Thor. Thor, Phone, and Thunder. Thunder. Or Thor, Love, and Phones. Love and Phones. Or Thor, Love, and Thunder, as Uh, you said. So, this, we'll we'll, we'll talk very broadly about the events of the movie first for Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um... Where do we start this movie, Thano? Where, where, where is our hero? What, what has happened so far up to now in the MCU? So thoughts. We're in the we're in the thick of we're in the thick of Phase Four, right? Yeah, we're yes. tail end of Phase Four. Yeah, last we saw Thor, he was off to go party with the Guardians. Yeah. Um, things have been happening on Earth. New, new, uh, new heroes have been have been getting coordinated. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. No, like, teams have assembled, but there's there's been some minor assembling between mm-hmm. between Shang-Chi and the, and the sorcerers. Yeah. Um, but but that's, that's the ground we got, for the most part. There's a multiverse. Yeah. Which this film is not, not too interested in. No, which, you know, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't need to be. Um, but this could... You could take this film... And minus the fact that it starts with Thor um, being with the Guardians, I feel like you could take this film and you could stick it almost anywhere in the almost anywhere in the MCU. Almost anywhere. Yeah. Uh, which is funny, right? So like, I feel like this this whole phase, and this is very reminiscent to me, at least, mm-hmm. of um, how these movies were made like phase one for example it's not until you kind of like start to like look back that you kind of realize that it's not in a particular order yeah you have to kind of go back and you can piece things together right uh like for example like thor takes place at the exact same time as iron man 2 ah uh there's some there's some quote in there where they're like hey something crash landed in new mexico go check it out yeah and that's thor's hammer landing that's in, thor's in new mexico, right yeah. so like there's that piecing together in this. Yeah. Where I feel like if if there's any complaint that I have about this movie? about about this movie and about MCU yeah. in Phase Four, is that I really have no idea what's chronologically what's taking place where. Yeah. I think the only ones that you can get a pretty solid like answer. Black Widow, which is well, Black Widow, <laughs> yes, which is separate. Hawkeye. Yeah. Takes place Christmas time. Christmas time. And Spider Man also takes place around Christmas time. Yes. 
So, like, other than those two, yeah, they're... you're kind of sitting there going, okay, what, where are the characters at what time? Because, right. like, if you think back, yeah. Eternals has huge ramifications for planet Earth. Yeah. A, a fucking celestial... Was about to eat it. Is, like, sticking out. Yeah. And th- those things are massive. Like, yeah. that, that's got to have some fucky, like... Yeah, gotta try, gotta change the weather. At and some point. nothing has addressed this so far. Like right. none of the shows, Spider Man certainly didn't. So, yeah, that's a good point. So I'm kind of like, where does it stand? Uh, I don't know. Not really a spoiler. Darcy shows up for a few minutes. Right. And I'm like, is this pre WandaVision, post WandaVision? How far? How pre, long after? Yeah. Pre then Doctor Strange, post then Doctor yeah, Strange. Yeah, so that's the only thing where I'm like, if this movie took place entirely off-world, it right. would be one thing. But they but do spend Earth. a good chunk of time. It's interesting because so far, Phase 4 has been pretty good about dealing with the ramifications of the snap. Um, you know, there's 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 some snap reference in pretty much, in pretty much every movie. I don't even know if we saw... In this Specific one? snap references or consequences. In this one, though. No. Yeah, and not that everything needs it, um, but you know, not even not even that was present. Um, and this, you know, this isn't the exact same conversation of the major complaint where this phase doesn't seem to have its like goal or main antagonist set up, but I feel like it kind of dovetails because if you're if you're not exactly sure when shit is happening, or in this case, how other big events in movies like could have consequences on the world around you, um, then that is kind of related to the problem of like, what is our what is our end goal? Because we haven't fully established where along in the plot that we are, so we yeah. we don't know what conflict we should be anticipating, and yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, should we give our should we give our quick two yeah, second review? Yeah, let's let's give our, our short reviews. What are some things that we liked? What are some things that we yeah. uh, thought were interesting? And then we can get into more details. Yeah, um, I'll I'll say, pretty colors. Mm-hmm. Um, good Christian Bale. As, yeah, very as good the, as the villain. Um, felt. Felt like an incomplete movie. It's it's a short one. It's mm-hmm. definitely a short one. Um, and later on, there's there's like two. There's many points where I feel like we could have added content, but there's like two specific points where I feel like if some content were added, that would that would make the movie better by quite a bit. Um, so like coming off Rag, Ragnarok, I would say this one's this one's kind of disappointing. Um, okay. And then yeah, I think I rated it. Two point five out of five on on Letterbox. Okay. Yeah. Which is not. Uh, it, it sounds lower than it yeah, is. I think for you because you you generally don't give movies fives. No, I give you're, for you're, five. It's got to it's got to be like a game changer for me. Two point five is really that's like average. Yeah. I consider that average. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, I agree. I think yeah. it's it's probably the most colorful. Yeah, MCU movie. I know and that does Ragnarok, a lot of heavy lifting. To be honest, for you, it it changes things yeah, up. Yeah, um, it it to me it felt a little tonally like disjointed. 
yep. in parts. Um, which is, you know, it, it sounds a bit curmudgeon-y to be like, oh, too much humor. But it, it's not that. It's like sometimes the humor just seems out of place in certain scenes. Mm. Uh, where it, it's not as bad as in Ragnarok, I think. In Ragnarok, there was some really, really awkward, like, comedic beats mm-hmm. where they shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, whatever, we're having fun. But I feel like in this movie, I was like, they they at least let some of those, like, somber moments stick with you a little stick bit. Stick with you a little bit. And yeah. I'll, I'll say why that I feel like happened in this movie a little bit more, a yeah. little bit later. Uh, the cast, I think, overall does a good job. Uh, I still feel like Chris Hemsworth is at least having fun. Yeah. Which, you know, whether or not you like his himbo Thor yeah, is, you know, one thing or another. I personally don't love himbo Thor. This ties into the description of the movie, but keep going, but I'll, I'll bring that up in a bit. Yeah. Um, I really think Gore yeah. is a really good villain, but he is underutilized. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman, great to have her back. Great to have her back. Uh, I think she did a good job at kind of still being Jane and kind of exaggerating some of the quirkiness of her in the first Thor movie. Mm -hmm. Because there are some really silly Jane things in the first Thor movies that I feel like kind of are exaggerated in this for okay content, I think. Um, And it does have one of my... One of the cooler sequences, one of the cooler action sequences... In the MCU, towards the third act, black and white planet, black and white planet. Yeah, uh, sure. you get a glimpse of it in the trailer. It's this like place where everything is like desaturated, just very black yeah. and white. Uh, but there are some pretty cool, cool things. I really did like the soundtrack a lot. Uh, some of the some of the needle drops were fun. The needle drops here. So here's I think my big problem with this movie, and this is a common critique, but it's. There, there really, really is a good movie in, in here, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the needle drops could even be part of that. But I felt a lot of the little pieces did just not have the cohesive tissue around them mm-hmm. to make them work. Yes. yes. There's, there's one specific beat in this movie that does not work for me like 90%. Yeah. Uh, where, so... Not a spoiler, you go and you visit a place with a bunch of gods as we're in the trailer, you see Zeus. Yes. Uh, it just, it feels like that's part of another movie. Yeah. It just, it doesn't feel like it belongs. And, which which is sad, because it's where you get, like, most of the color. And it very well could belong to this movie. That's a thing. It, it feels like it doesn't, but if you just look at this movie on paper, mm-hmm. Thor versus Gore the God Butcher... He needs to find gods and yeah. Yeah, that save them from being butchered. Yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's kind of the frustration, right? Like there, there is something to to say about like yeah. Marvel letting Taika do what he wants, which you know, good for them for letting their director do what he wants. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like this movie could have used a little bit of like oversight. Which is interesting because there's, there's a well okay so spoiler warning, fuck your spoiler warning. But yeah, spoiler, let's let's, let's get into it. Right. Um, so, Again, if you're listening over ten minutes into a review, we'll be expecting yeah, expect you, some some spoilers. You got to go. Go see it. Who got to go, losers? Um, so it's interesting because there's there's 
I don't. I won't say that there's been clamoring for like a Taika cut, um, but people have at least put that out there where it's like this movie feels either unfinished or like very edited. Like it feels like there was more movie that we're just missing. Mm-hmm. So then, was that a Taika decision? Was that a studio decision? You know, I think too soon to tell. I'm not. I'm not here to like. I'm not here to to put like blame on either party yet. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is it does feel very odd that it is very much a Taika movie that feels that it could have been in use of more oversight and yet the movie is very short and clearly paired and clearly pared down. Yes. So I'm wondering what was pared down and then who did who did the pairing down. Taika to his credit has been a good sport right now. He kinda shut down that like director's cut shit yeah. relatively fast. Which I think you kind of have to in the age of the Snyder Cut. Well, then, yeah, and then I, I mean, it really could be a problem where the de facto is you get your shitty theatrical release and then movie, you know, the movie companies take advantage of it by making you see two versions of the same thing. See the, shitty, see the shitty version today and then see the... <laughs> see the but here's, here's, the, here's where, I, where I push back on that, right? Yeah. So, like, we know, we saw... A, a finished version of Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, and I think consensus, great, fantastic, great, right? Yeah, S tier. But they are releasing a longer version in September. Yeah, so like there is room for that. There's room for that. But yeah. I think I think with this movie is uh, there, Taika at least from what I remember, like with Ragnarok, that's the movie that he wanted to make. Yep. I feel like if there was going to be like big oversight and things being cut, yeah. that you would notice that there would be less Taika in this movie. And I feel like this exactly. movie this movie it does not. Plenty, this movie plenty of Taika. has plenty and it goes above and beyond. Yeah. Um and but my, my main issue with this movie is like there just there are scenes that just feel like they need more context. Yes. And I don't know if it's like a show don't tell situation where a lot of it seems like you are just being yeah. told that this guy is bad yeah. and and that Thor might be having some sort of crisis but you don't really see Thor having a crisis. So let me let me read the let me read the description of the movie real quick. Yes, we did. I, yeah, we skipped this. This is where I take umbrage with with the film. I think there's two scenes towards the beginning that if you changed nothing else and you just added to these two scenes, you would not have a perfect movie. But I think you would have a significantly better movie. Um, so Thor embarks on a journey unlike anything he's ever faced. Eh. <laughs> okay. A quest for inner peace. That's where I have a problem. Um, however, his retirement gets interrupted by Gore the God Butcher. Retirement. A galactic killer who seeks the extinction of the gods. So, they very much tell you that he needs inner peace, and by that I mean Peter Quill tells you that Thor needs inner peace, mm-hmm. which is an odd choice in Messenger. Putting that, <laughs> just putting that to the side. Yeah, when Peter Quill is telling you you need to find inner peace, you may have fucked up. But to this day, I I do not see how Thor lacked inner peace, nor do I see what changed to get him to get that inner peace. Like, I'm sorry. It, in that opening Guardian scene, like, he seems normal to me. Yeah, I'm like, yep, checks. Later on, you do get a few scenes that have him be a little, like, clingy to them. 
but not not even that much. And, and here's here's the problem yeah. that I have, yeah. right? So there is there is a movie where you can have Thor being conflicted. Yeah, he did fuck up with the with with uh, with Thanos. Yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, like he did. That's yeah. that's plain and simple. Yeah, and in Infinity War. And yeah, game. he never fully atones for that. He never atones, yeah. but you do get a feeling that he is feeling, he's still conflicted. Yeah. He still feels bad that he fucked up, that he didn't, right. you know, finish the fight when he should have. Yeah. He was being a little too showboaty. And you you get that feeling by him letting himself go, kind of being a slob. Yeah. Uh, kind of keeping people at arm's length. But that feels much more like damaged Thor than the opening of this movie. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there is something that you could have done with that. Yeah. And I feel like this movie doesn't. I feel like you need to take that 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 little sequence, the Thor Guardian sequence, maybe extend it by 10 to 15 minutes. You need to see more of Damage Thor. It needs to be clear to us that, like, besides the fact that he that, just accidentally destroyed a temple. Or that maybe that he's putting on an act. Yeah. And suffered like, no consequence. In fact, got a reward for it. He got He got a great reward. Yeah. Some fantastic goats. Yeah. Um, it's not, like, tragic when he leaves. No. The Guardians. It almost seems like they don't want him there in the first place. Even the thing with, like, the, the shot from the trailer where he, like, looks, keeps on staring. Yeah. Like, doesn't seem in place either. No. It, it's yeah a joke for the sake of a joke. So I leave that scene unsure of what his internal conflict actually is. I'm told that he needs inner peace. I don't see how he needs how he needs inner peace or inner peace. Um, I, I don't think anything that happens in the movie actually drastically changes his character enough where it seems like he's he's grown, mm-hmm. right? There's like a little bit of an arc but not nothing substantial. So I would change that. I would extend the prologue introducing Gore a little Gore. bit. Particularly, um, I, I actually liked the god that, that he kills. A lot of people have complained that he seems hammy, but to he me... seems like an asshole. Of, of the mythology that I've read, that actually seems like a very, very accurate picture of like what an ancient pagan deity would be like. Yeah. But anyway, um, I would extend the sequence just a little bit of where he gets the sword and, like, obtains the curse um, to where it, it, it sort of just kind of feels like a flip on a dime of, like, him going from tortured de- devotee to just, like, cool, calculated, like, cool, calculated killer. Maybe, like, have him, like, lose his cool and try to attack the god. Yeah, I think that needs to be a bit more gradual. Like, okay. something there. And and someone maybe could make the argument, like, ah, it was the sword that allowed him to do that. And I'm like, sure, but that, you could make, say, the logic's there, but I don't think it's that interesting. Yeah. I would have liked to see that, like, extended just a little bit. I don't think you have a perfect movie in there, but then I, I think you at least see more of, like an interesting fall for Gore and you see you have set up for Thor which we do not have really in this mm-hmm. in this film um, even if you fix those I still think like the the, the omnipotency omnipot- say that ten times fast omnipotent city yeah um, scene still kind of feels like pointless and out of place and I think if I if I were to have a third director rewrite I would have actually Gore arrive there and attack 
and then you can make up some movie logic where he has to where that fails and then he has to go to eternity and get the wish to to fulfill what he had done um but those are those are the three changes that I would make to make to make this movie not perfect, but but better. I and and I think also like as soon as as soon as you bring in danger, like lopsided danger, yeah. I feel like to me it loses a little bit of effect. Now, when you say lopsided danger, what do you mean? I mean the kids. Ah. So for me, a big issue with this movie is the the kid subplot, yeah. where it's a very easy cop out to say there's danger ahead. Yeah, when you have, when you pin someone against kids, yeah, like there's already like an automatic sense of fear. Yeah, that you don't have to do much. Like this, where where this differs from the black phone is Ethan Hawke's character. Yes, he kidnapped the kid. Yes, the kid is the underdog, but right. also like the kid, uh, his presence, Ethan Hawke's presence, the way he plays the character, yeah. is very different than the way Gore interacts with the kids. Yeah, uh, where like he doesn't earn, I feel like, the feeling of being scary on his own. Yes, it's everything is being told to us. Because he doesn't, he doesn't kill anyone really right. on screen. You don't see him do anything fucked up. But then, like, the kids are automatically scared of him right away. Which I would say one of the cool things that this movie has is the gold blood. Like, just in terms of the visual, just seeing, like, gold But that's blood only, blood. that's only with that god. I thought there was some in, in Omnipotency. In no? The, the things that they're killing in Omnipotency are, like, constructs. But and there's no gold blood. I thought I saw gold blood like falling on the floor in that fight. There, there is, but it's because they are made of like gold. Uh, They're I not see. people. Well, anyway, because when when he hits, uh, when he, uh, quote unquote, kills Zeus. Yeah. His it's chest red. is red. It's red. That's true. Uh, Thor bleeds red. Yeah. Uh, Sif bleeds red. Yeah. So the only thing that we get a gold referenced is when. They die. Right. They turn to like gold dust. I see. So, that, you know. Well, regardless, you could have if you had Gore attack there, you could have had an opportunity for a cool, for another cool, colorful visual moment. It would have been really yeah. cool. I that's what I thought was going to be happening, to kind of show that he means business. Yeah. Maybe kill off a bunch of you know, low-tier gods, and then having some of the big ones maybe escape. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just, it it felt like that scene served only one purpose, which was make Zeus look like a buffoon. Yeah. Uh, show us Thor's butt. Yeah. And get the Thunderbolt. And get the Thunderbolt. Which, which, which is, is just a glorified, it's a glorified fetch quest. Exactly. Uh, the so it's interesting back to the kids for a little bit. I th- oh so here's why I brought up the gold the gold blood. Um, I very much do love the visual of creepy Christian Bale in the in mm-hmm. the cage with the kids. I think that is awesome. I think once again there's a universe in here where the kids work, and even the ending of Thor like adopting a kid works. Yeah. Um, it's not this universe. I still don't understand why. Like, I, I, I understood why Tony Stark needs a kid. I was like, ah, yes. Like, this is, you know, um, someone who's, like, penned as a narcissist, someone who's penned as, like, selfish. Like, it's it's cool to see him with 
you know, with a child, and then having having that dynamic added to his character. But there's also there's also instances with Tony, where he interacts with with Tom Holland, yeah. with, with Peter Parker, and Iron Man three, and Iron Man three, yeah. Uh, so there there is that that history. That history. Thor doesn't have that. Thor doesn't have that, and I don't. I. The movie didn't prove to me that that was the thing that he needed. That he needed. So, I, somebody else, I can't remember who it was, somebody else brought this up as well. Yeah. And, and I completely agreed. Even the second time yeah. I watched the movie, you, you know that Thor loves Jane. Yeah. And that is a source of. Of hurt for him that she left him right that it didn't work out and it made perfect sense why that happens yeah he is essentially not immortal but a very he has a very long life ahead of him he's basically immortal he is basically i mean for human standards yeah. he is right yeah. they live thousands yeah. and thousands of years yep if he stays with jane she's yeah. got what 40 50 years yeah. if, 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 if at best clearly yeah. she doesn't because she gets Right, cancer, um, but you know you you feel that strain in both of the relationship, right? Because you you you're kind of shown and told that that's what happens with mm-hmm. them, um, but nowhere in the movie did you get the feeling that Thor wants to start a family. Correct, and and Jane, and then where this dovetails to the kids, I feel like you could have used the kids to help make your audience buy that ending. And I think one thing that's absent from the whole kids subplot is that up until that final fight, they don't do anything. Mm-mm. They don't try to escape. Right. They don't feel like they're in actual danger. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, in, like, that, that, that's my point, right? It, it felt almost like I was kind of being like, well, kids in danger and black phone works. Kids in danger and this doesn't work. But it's also the fact that, like, in the black phone, you feel like the kids something doing something, happen. and the kids doing something, and yeah. the, the kids doing something. You know that other kids have died. Right. He doesn't kill a single kid. He doesn't hurt a single kid. Which is a Disney movie, so I don't want like I don't I don't need him to. No, but oh. if you're gonna use the yeah. if you're gonna use the plot that yeah. the kids are in danger, you need yeah. to make me feel like the kids are in danger. And while I I did like enjoy those scenes where Thor communicates with Heimdall's son through the magic eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was, it was nice to see that he was still able to like comfort them. So like that was cool for Thor, but then it still undercuts the danger because the way Thor is, even though he's not physically present, like the shot is framed where Thor is like physically and, present. And there's something yeah. in that where, where I thought maybe he would like have the vision of being there and see them and then Gore would show up. Yeah. And instill that fear into Thor that these kids are actually in danger. Yeah. Because Thor never sees Gord do anything with these kids. He he could have turned them into monsters. It could have not have been a cage. It could have been somewhere where they could actually, like, escape and try to do shit to, like, you know, to to free themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. The logic that the the film presented us with was that the kids were helpless, but it didn't have to right they didn't have to be in that cage they could be in they could have been anywhere else wherever the fuck right um they could have been in that weird tent place where uh they find gore's plans which came out of nowhere they could have been in eternity and maybe gore is just trying to figure out how to like open the door like you know that you could you could have done many many things to make the situation different the way the situation was presented 
just wasn't interesting mm-hmm. or fulfilling. And also, one of the things that I found interesting, you mentioned this, uh, of maybe having the kid subplot fuel that, not desire, but that, like, you know, right. fulfillment at the end. There were scenes in the movie where the kids are crowding Thor because they're scared. He's like, all right, get me out of here. Yeah. And, like, that to me doesn't scream someone who wants... Who wants a kid. kid. Yeah. Uh, or someone who is, like, super invested in... Like, he's invested in saving the kids because they're his people. And, yeah. you know, it's what a hero would do. But it didn't seem to me like a parental thing. Uh, which also, I thought it was funny the when he's talking to them the second time. Yeah. And Valkyrie is fucking with him with her hair. Yeah. Uh, I know people didn't <laughs> like that, but I thought it was kind of fucking funny. So I'll just make a quick comment. Actually, so the jokes in this movie did not bother me as they seem to bother like 99% of the viewership. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, were they a little gratuitous? Maybe. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the love triangle between Mjolnir. That shit was funny. Um, Stormbreaker and Thor. Um, I, I, I didn't feel the jokes were too much of a cardinal sin. Even, even that one, like, I, I could have done without it, but it Which wasn't. One? The one where, um, Valkyrie's playing with Thor. Oh, with Thor. Yeah, I, I actually thought that you could have very much done that in a way where it was cute. Um, I, w- I will say as a brief comment, our theater didn't really give much reaction to a lot. No. Um, at the end, there was, like, some people in front of us who were clapping, and then I... <laughs> I was an asshole, and I just yelled. It wasn't that good. <laughs> that was that was that was it, from what I remember. Yeah. Opening night, we there was it wasn't a very loud theater. There no, yeah. there were a few there were a few laughs at the Mjolnir yeah. and the Stormbreaker bits. The goats got a few laughs yeah. the first couple times. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's also I think a problem of not quality. But also quantity. Mm. Some of the jokes are very good. Some of the jokes are very funny. Yeah. But sometimes they're just like one too many. And you're like, all right, I know. Yeah. This this movie feels like the type of movie that often gets joked about by like DC fans. Mm. How so? Where they oh, go, where they where DC fans joke about Marvel movies? Yes. Yeah, where yeah, they go? Yeah, yeah. There's a scene where someone would clearly go, "Well, that just happened." Yeah. This movie felt like that scene should have happened in this movie. Yeah. But they didn't. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, not to say that it was bad, but again, some of the things just didn't. And that's where where I where I wanted to to interject earlier, where I think. Korg is one of my least favorite characters. Oh, hot take. Hot take. Yeah. I like the idea of Korg having a, a silly rock creature who is, you know, his his pal. Yeah. But he's in there a lot. He's in it a little too much. Yeah. And you know how I say that there are some jokes that just they are not allowed to breathe because someone cracks a joke? Yeah. It's always fucking Korg. Yeah, that's a good point. Like who in is Taika. And it's Taika. Yeah. And and if you notice, who is absent at the end of the movie where we actually get some serious scenes? Korg. Korg is gone. Yeah. And we get we get to sit with Thor, you know, realizing that Mjolnir is what's killing killing Jane. Killing Jane. Yeah. Uh, we get, you know, some relatively quiet moments with Thor and Valkyrie when she's like, I wish I could help you, but I'm Right. I'm kind of out of the fight and I would just, you know, hurt. Um, and at the end when, you know, everybody's dying, 
Like, he's not there to crack a joke. Yeah. Where in the last movie, like, you know, Asgard is blowing up. Right. And he's, like, cracking jokes about it. Yeah. And, like... Maybe not. Maybe not. Right. Maybe not when your homie's planet is literally getting Alderaand. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I, I think... While I do like Korg, he is the one that, to me, I'm like, this is, this is what people complain about when they joke about Marvel being not serious. So... Uh, you saw it twice. Yes. When we get the potential that Th- that Korg died in a scene, mm-hmm. I remember listening to it. I remember that the music wasn't super like loud, so I couldn't fully tell what was happening. But I remember whatever theme they were playing there wasn't the most somber. There was some musical cue that was telling me that Korg was that Korg was in fact not not dead. Um, no, it was it, 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 it has some sort of like almost like the music is starting to stir, uh, and but that's more of a response to Thor being mad, okay, than everybody being sad because Korg is down. I, I would need to review it, but whatever, there was something that I was reading in that scene, and maybe it was just intuition that I was like, oh, Korg's done, Korg's fine, <laughs> like, you know, that, if they if that's how they had done Korg in, yeah. I would have been like, that's a good motivation, I guess, for Thor. Yeah, to to Avengers Rock Buddy. Yeah. The it's interesting. There's so there's there's the there's the common critique for MCU films that also applies to this that uh, what counts as death is very is very much dubious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see both sides. On the one hand, you know, I'm not a I'm not a comics expert. I I know characters die in comics and come back. You know, yeah. all the time. You know, it's not the MCU who's pioneering this concept. On the other hand, I will also concede that, like, oh, if Jane dies and I still see her in this post-credit scene, granted in Valhalla, but along with Heimdall, who's also supposed to be dead, then I'm like, all right, you know, sad, sad, but there's there's potential where this could be this could be undone. Well, not to go into like comic book. Lore, but I think that implies that they are then following some comic books. That they're following some comic, some comic book lines, stuff, so. which once again you you can right. That's not that's not a that's not a sin, but it is like oh, um, I, there there was some article just released. It was like these are the characters that are actually really dead in the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's that's fair. You don't want to overlogic these things too much, but then like. You know, the the death really doesn't feel as as gravitatious when when there's so many ways to escape it. Point one. Um, point two. And it may have literally just slipped my mind. So if I can't think of it in the next second, I'll defer right back to you. Um, oh yes. So. Um, I try not to think about how these films fit into the overall continuity too much because I kind of like to think about how they would just stand as standalones and judge them on that caliber. But I will say, now having another kid in the picture mm-hmm. of like these MCU characters has not thrown a monkey wrench, but I feel like you have a lot of like balls juggling up in the air. Of, like, young kids who could eventually be a thing. Mm-hmm. Or somebody. You've got Little Iron Man. 
Uh, yes. Both from Iron Man 3 and from and Tony Stark's daughter, who could potentially be somebody. You've got little little Ant-Man. Uh, the daughter. The daughter. Who is now old Ant-Man daughter. Who is now old Ant-Man daughter. Uh, you've got this little Thor. You've got... Um, the two kids from one division. You've got Billy and Tommy. Uh, is there anybody else? I'm not even going to touch some of the teenage heroes. I'm not going to touch America Chavez. I'm not going to touch Miss Marvel. Okay. I just um, love, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's... You know, once again, it's not it, it's not a problem yet, but I'm like, I'm looking at another, like, little kid in this mix, and I'm like, that's a lot of, like... Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a lot of eggs in baskets that, that you're setting up. Yeah, that. and then you also run the risk of, like, kids in, 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 like, small scenes are usually okay. Yeah. But then when you start to have them do more range stuff... Right. You can can suffer. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not saying that they, they're bad necessarily, but, you know, it would well, be harder also to get an audience to be invested in it. And it's different because, so Spider-Man, Spider-Man No Way Home was regarded as and feels much more like a bit of a reboot where he can now be fresh Peter Parker, mm-hmm. fresh Spider-Man, right? Whereas this does just feel like another installment in the Thor saga, mm-hmm. which is not bad in and of itself. And there's still the question of like, well, you know, he is he is a god. They do live longer, right? Like, what do you do with this character um, who's not human? So, you know, he, he can be around for much longer. Mm-hmm. Um and I look at this film and I'm like, I am curious because this film, this film has not presented itself as the Thor as the Thor storyline ending anytime soon. Yeah. Um, but I also look at it and I'm like, all right, how much, how much more can you take this character by himself? Yeah. I think Iron Man was right to end it after three and then just have him serve as. Yeah, you know, it's a legacy role, um, and then an ensemble pieces. But I don't know. I don't know how many more like Thor solo movies. I mean, they're definitely going to be pushing for five. Yeah, because Hercules, Hercules, which I'm okay with. Yeah, I thought as far as the character look, yeah, very great. He's from uh, Ted Lasso, which, which I have I've, not seen. I've not seen. Yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah. I've heard people like this guy. So it's you know it's. What it is? Yeah. Um, as as a as a Greek man, <laughs> what what were your thoughts on uh, Russell Crowe? I went back and forth as to whether I thought it sounded real or not. <laughs> um, I have heard that Russell Crowe is Australian, correct? Yes. It very much sounds like the Greek Australian accent. So I'm like, all right, if that's fair, like if that's what it is, that's fair. There's a sizable. Uh, there's a sizable Greek population in Melbourne. It's to the it's to the extent where it's like twenty five percent. Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna look that up. Real quick. Y'all are taking over. Yeah. Um, I didn't love him. I didn't hate him. I just thought it was a funny take. Uh, like I said, anything in the Omnipotent City, I was just kind of like, eh. yeah. Uh, I I really did like the main. Supporting cast. Pause real quick. Someone fucking lied to me. The Greek population of Melbourne is three point eight seven percent. Wow. Nowhere Donald near, believing fake nowhere news. Nowhere near twenty five percent. Still, that's like. 
I don't. I don't think Astoria is even anywhere that high. But who knows? Anyway, continue. Big lie. Yeah. The big lie. This is the big lie. Yeah. Um. I. I did like the main like supporting cast. Right. Natalie Portman. Her interaction with Jane. As- Greeks make up ten point one percent of Astoria's body. Tano has been off on his stats today. The Greek population would 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 yeah. shift here. Have a have the confidence of a, of an overprivileged white man, ladies. And gentlemen. You can say you can say anything. Continue. Um, I so you you turned to me at some point during the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it was when they're walking up to to the stage in Omnipotent City. Yeah. And you were like, was Jane always this goofy? Yeah. Because I, I haven't seen Thor 1 and 2. Oh, right. I've not seen Thor 1 and 2. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so she's got like, because like when she meets Thor, she's got this like fangirl crush on him. Yeah. She's like, hey, is this hot guy just fell out of the sky. Yeah. She doesn't really believe that he's actually Thor. She just thinks he's some crazy hobo. Oh, She runs over with a car. Okay. Um, but she, you know, she's flustered by him. So she, you know, she stutters a lot. She makes some, you know, weird puns and she's, she is kind of silly. She is very smart. Right. I don't think they play her as like a dumb. She's not a bimbo. She's not a bimbo. Yeah. Um, but I do think she, she's, she still feels like Jane in this movie. Okay. Not where like in, in the first and second Thor movies, Thor is very stoic, very, you know, I heard that was a change from three to. Oh, absolutely, yeah, a yeah. huge change from two to three. Yeah. Uh, so it almost feels like for her, it's a natural progression of her character. Yeah. With Thor, it almost feels like he's regressed, mm-hmm. which I, which is you know what strokes me the wrong way. Um, I really like Tessa Thompson. Yes, and, and, her I, role. and I, I feel like she's underutilized. And too. I wanted more of her. In so, fact, I would sacrifice Jane for Tessa Thompson. You think Jane? Yeah. Not as a love interest, right? I don't need her to be a love interest. No, for her, but I, but if I had to pick, who to focus on? Yeah, I would. I I and I I know if you're gonna market this as Mighty Thor, then you have to focus on Jane. Mm-hmm. But in terms of my personal preferences, which character I would prefer to focus on, I'd rather focus on Tessa Thompson. And that's the problem, though, because like you could have done both. Yeah. Because this movie, like we said, feels short. Yeah. And feels like things are missing, and they had promised that King Valkyrie was going to play a bigger role in this. And I wonder how much of that was cut. You could go really out on a limb. And you could potentially do a... This comes up to another thing I said to you in the theater. Um, you could potentially do like a... A King Valkyrie and Mighty Thor have to rescue Thor movie. You could? from And Thor is not the main character in this movie. Maybe Thor is the one in danger. Maybe you know, we see him sporadically. The fun thing, the funny thing was, I went into this movie thinking this was going to be, it, it was marketed as, as a Thor movie, but yeah. I was going to be focusing on her. Which is interesting, because one of the things I said to you in the movie, not with these words specifically, um, and, I, and I want to qualify to the point where I don't think it reached to the point of problematic, it's not a very feminist movie. No? <laughs> it's not? Yeah. There, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because there was an article that I saw that was like, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder fails Jane Foster's Mighty Thor. Right. And to a certain extent, I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. And to a certain extent, I also thought it was a bit 
part of it was a bit refreshing. Like, they didn't do the trope where Thor just shows up to the battle totally incompetent, mm-hmm. and, then, and then Mighty Thor comes and saves the day, right? Which is not bad in and of itself, but it is... It's it's done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen it before. We've also seen versions of this before. Um, but odd. Ah, of, all, of, of all the directors to not go that route, I would not have pegged Taika to be the one to do that. Yeah, I could have yeah. leaned more into that. Um, there was supposed to be a whole subplot of Tessa Thompson finding a queen. Because they made a big deal about it at Comic Con a few years back. They were like, "Yeah, yes. you know, she's gonna be back. She's gonna look for a queen." And yes. it was none of that. None of that at all. Uh, I was almost expecting maybe for Lady Sif to do something in this movie. Yeah, because they also made a big deal about Jamie Alexander coming back. Who's she's a Thor? She's a Thor one and two character. Thor one and two character. Yeah. She's the one who um, he finds with an arm missing. In the snow planet. Correct. I know who yeah. she is, but yes, but she's a Thor 1 and 2. She's a Thor 1 character. Yeah. And you know, I think if there is one thing of criticism that I hear a lot about Taika in his movies that I actually do agree with is he really does not give a fuck mm. about any of the other Thor characters. Yeah. <laughs> because the only ones that get love in this are Korg, King Valkyrie, yeah. Mighty Thor. Yeah. And meet. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is just like either sidelined or killed. I saw I saw a meme or a comment that basically when it was talking about Lady Sif, and it was as Taika was writing, it's like, oh shit, I didn't kill her off yet. <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um, and also, like she's always been, she's always been played as like a very strong character. Yeah. She even shows up in Agents of Shield, like yeah. the spinoff show, and she has like. A relatively like cool like episode with with the gang, uh, but in this like they play her off also like as a goof. Well, here's what's interesting: you could have I, I so as someone who hasn't seen those those two movies, right? I obviously have very little like very little emotional attachment to a lot of those Thor one and two characters. I will say. Um, I think there's a universe where you could have just a Thor and Valkyrie movie that could work. Um, I don't know if her character is bi or if her character is not interested in men whatsoever. Um, but I think you could also play... I mean, you could you could have the movie that has a male and a female that are just platonic... Yeah. Platonic buds. And they're not romantic and maybe there's pressure for them to be romantic... Maybe part of the pressure of the movie is people want her to marry Thor. She doesn't want to marry Thor, and their, yeah. you know, their friendship emerges and blossoms. I think there's a movie. I think there's very much a movie in there about that. Um, and you could also, you know, if, if the theme is going to be love, right? You know, there's platonic love. There is the love that you have for a child, right? So you could show like, oh, you know, love isn't just romantic love. There's very there's many different kinds of love. I think that mm-hmm. movie could exist. That movie was not. <laughs> yeah, was not this movie. Uh, so we've we've properly kind of dookie on this movie a lot yeah so let's talk about some of the things that we did like yeah um so like i mentioned earlier there is this whole section of the shadow realm yeah they were sent there by <laughs> they were sent there by, Pegasus. Sent there by Bakura. oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and it it was a really cool 
transition from having the color just kind of drain away. Yeah. Uh, and there were also like really nice visual touches where Jane is looking around and she's using Mjolnir as like a light. Yeah. And when she turns on like Mjolnir's power, like it actually brings some of the color in. Yeah. Which I thought was a really cool visual. Uh, but that does lead to a really awesome fight in a small, a small, little, a small little like planet yeah. moon thing. It's almost it reminded me of uh, what is it, Super Mario Galaxy, mm. <laughs> where it's like these little tiny planets. Yeah. Um, and the the monsters are. I really like. The I monsters. think they look really cool. And they're designed by apparently by kids, by children, by, by what they think. Chris would be. Hemsworth and Taika Waititi's kids. I think. Yeah. And I I thought that the monsters were kept obscure enough that you didn't see a lot of detail, which kind of adds to the creepiness of yes. them. Uh, and they reminded me a lot of the monsters from a game called Limbo. They, I, I, I am not very familiar with Limbo. They remind me of something that could be from like a children's like horror book, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that gave them some more character because they're more than just like, generic Chitari, right? Yeah. Or whatever. There's there's an unknown creepiness to them. So I don't want to turn the screen because I know that it might fuck with the, the thing. But if yeah. you look up if you look up Limbo and just look up the main like screen of what the like the game art looks like, it it oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah. very much yeah. that feel. I see it. Kinda slender maybe. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, spidery, long limbs, yeah. like spindly, spindly. Yes. yes. Uh, and and I thought like having the creatures move through shadows was also very yes, very cool. Yeah. Uh, Gore uses that power a few times to get out of a jam. Um, and then that that whole final battle, I thought that was going to be the final battle. I thought so too. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I guess. We got this other battle. I guess we got this whole other thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to go back to negative, uh, but I did not like the kid fight at the end. Getting the Thor, getting the Thor, getting the Thor, getting the right. I've seen the I've seen the complaints that uh, why doesn't he just do this all the time? I will say I say there there's a logic that you could make you could make that work, and maybe it's because he has the thunderbolt, right? I've seen I've seen people think that. All right. That's the reason. I don't think the movie explicitly explains that. Um, I'm just saying. I, th- I think you could have this scene with the kids getting the power of Thor and still make it make logical sense. It's fine. Yeah. It's just like I was like whatever. But this goes back to the issue that the kids didn't have anything to do until this point. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then one thing that I will say though that I thought was really cool is there is a visual that's an overhead shot yeah. of him bestowing the powers. And it looks like Yggdrasil. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. Like the visual of like the roots and then turning into a big tree. Yeah, yeah I so like that. I thought that was really cool. I liked the look of the Bifrost. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was that much different from other movies, but uh, there was this, you got these cool undershots where you see how it's like, pixelated as the, as yes. the ship is traveling. The, yeah, the, so the Rainbow Bridge has always been... Uh, Really cool. It was yeah. a big thing in Thor 1. Right. Uh, it gets destroyed at the end of Thor 1. Uh, but then Heimdall controls the Bifrost. Mm-hmm. So the Bifrost has always been just like a beam of light. Yeah. Right? But in this, you, so, you see, it, it looks different, I think. 
from at least because uh, that's different. That's not the Bifrost. Uh, that's the that's the Rainbow Bridge. I so see. the Bifrost is making a Rainbow Bridge. Okay. That is like the one that was in the first Thor movie. I see. I see. I see. Um, because then they still just travel like with the ship. The yeah. Bifrost just like whoops zips you out. Gotcha. Right. So that's a little different. Uh, the so when they get to Eternity at the end of the movie. Uh, and he says basically like, they destroy the sword mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I heard a lot of people kind of be confused about is they think that Gore is being corrupted mm. by the sword that he's being controlled similarly to how Wanda was kind of being not controlled but like manipulated or how Loki controlled uh, Hawkeye or how uh, yeah exactly yeah. right so it's not that like if uh, the way that I read it at least right. was the sword is like, hey, you want to do this shit? Yeah. I, I want to kill. Wanna shit. I want to <laughs> kill the gods. Yeah. Let's basically work together. Yeah. But I curse you by bestowing you with my power. Yeah. Right. That's how I took it. Some people were like, oh no, he's being corrupted, and right. the sword is gone. Ho ho, he's not corrupted anymore. But he still wants his ultimate goal of revenge on the gods. Yes. I think it. It was a nice touch to then have, Thor. Say, you know what, if you're going to kill us, fine, do whatever the fuck you want, but I'm going to spend my last moments. I love that. I love that scene, actually. That was really good. And I I think that scene, regardless of where you feel on the fact that he ends up with a kid or not, I feel like that scene actually worked so well in isolation that upon watching it, it made me forgive, like, a lot of the, Mm -hmm. a lot of the movie. Some of that goodwill receded after simmering. Um, but I love I love that line. Some people hate that line. Um, I think it's I think it's I think it's great. I agree. If I have my last moments, then you know you gotta spend it with who with the person you want. Exactly, you know, someone who's already dying, and you gotta die together. Yeah. Um, which I thought, what a choice though for Gore to be like bring back my kid, and he's gonna raise it by himself. You know, yeah. I'm sure if you if you are wishing to an almighty. Right. Infinite power, you could be like, "Hey, bring back my kid," and maybe, maybe those two can raise the kid together. Well, this is this is just a problem with wish, um, wish logic. Yeah, yeah. That I I don't know that you can avoid. I think it's interesting. I think the so not to veer too off into complaints, but the so another complaint that appears is that oh, this eternity thing exists. You know that people seemingly knew about right mm-hmm. in this movie. Why did nobody attempt, you know, that strategy for for Thanos, right? I won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but I will say that one thing that the show Loki kind of did to get your audience to start moving on from the threat of the Infinity Stones mm-hmm. and by the fact that there were other equally powerful Things objects, entities, mystery boxes, um, mm-hmm. MacGuffins, right? Uh, was that cool little scene from like <laughs> where all the yeah all, they're like oh yeah they're paperweights yeah um, where you know once again like if you really think about it like well that's in that's in whatever fucking I forget the name of the the timekeepers the timekeepers realm yeah right so rules are different there but the point is that you know I, I think like as an audience we do we do just kind of have to suspend disbelief a little bit and say like if we do want more of these movies then we have to just acknowledge that the fact that there are these OP, mm-hmm. these OP, and also, are. also the thing with the thing with the Trinity is my understanding was it's the first person to reach it gets gets it the, gets a wish. And to be fair though, the way the, the way that they, I mean, it, it, it almost seemed 
So when it was first when it was first introduced, it almost seemed as inaccessible as um, the good book from Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. right? Where no one oh, it's a legend. Um, no one really knows what it is, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they were going that route, but they were like, "Oh no, like fucking turn here, turn, <laughs> like turn." Back. Yeah, fucking Valkyrie yeah. makes a joke, yeah. and Thor's like, "I know where I'm going. I'm not gonna get lost." Yeah, and the Thor gets there, right? Right as you know, right right after Gore is there, mm-hmm. and then Jane gets there. So that was that was a huge source of confusion for me yeah. at first. I was like, "How the fuck did Jane get there?" Yeah. I was very confused, and then the second time I caught it. Valkyrie's horse can teleport. It can. But it's only, I mean, it's only her. Right. Right? So that's why uh, someone says, like, hey, let's teleport. And, and she goes, oh, but Pegasus can only teleport one person. Yes. Uh, so she's like, this is, this is not attainable. Uh, so that made more sense to me the and, second time. But yet, though, it does, so I think Infinity War actually does a really good job of... Making the Soul Stone place, Vormir, right? Yeah. Making you feel like, oh, this is a hidden place on a map that, like, very, very few people know about. It takes, like, it takes work to get there. Um, oh, I didn't figure that. And then in Endgame, when Hawkeye and Black Widow get there, um, they're told how to get there. So my yeah. my understanding was Vormir was just a normal planet like any other planet. It just yeah. it happened to but be where the stone yeah. was. So because Gamora knew that's where it that's was, where it was. Okay, they so know where they're going. Regardless, so it's it, it, it believes that there's hidden knowledge that yes, you need to know that it's there for you to search there. Whereas in this, I think initially you're told that, but then you're like, oh no, like we all know where the fuck this is. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that did feel odd. Yeah. So one of the things that I was wondering is there is an interesting shot. So you see Gore is laying on the ground de- uh, dying, mm-hmm. and it shows you like him on the reflection. And so initially you see uh, Eternity is like a silhouette of like a person sitting cross-legged. Mm-hmm. They look almost like space and time, like, yeah. in, like in, you know, embodied, embodied right? Yeah. And then when he makes his wish, you right. get the idea that he's not actually going to wish for the, the gods to die. Right. He wishes to bring back his daughter, uh, which, yeah. Yeah, it 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 is a it sweet it, it's yeah. a sweet payoff. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, maybe realizing that here we have Thor, who is a god. Right. He loves uh, a, a human woman, yeah. and you know maybe he's like, oh, maybe not all gods are pieces of shit. Yeah. So that that tracks, right? Uh, but then they show the reflection of him on the on the water surface dying, and then you see a reflection of someone walking towards him, mm. and it looks like. The same outline with the stars and stuff, mm. but then when they go up, it's the girl. Uh, so then, are we to interpret that Eternity is now the girl? Oh, so she has not just been made by Eternity; she is Eternity, Eternity but now she is this girl. Well, the interesting thing is that she is also given the name Love, mm-hmm. right? So then, on the one hand. My instinct was to say no. I'd be like, that's already too abstract. That's already two abstract concepts. <laughs> like, plastered onto one girl. That's yeah. a lot. But then, I mean, love, 
love equals eternity. There's, I think there's, there's potentially something. I thought it was a weird, yeah. it was such a weird, like, the way, it, it's a really, really nice shot. Like, yeah. I really, really like it. And it shows, like, it's a smaller figure, right. and the hair is flowing on it, and it's walking towards Gore. Mm. And and then it kneels down, and then it, uh, it pants up, and that's the Gore. So that, that's what, to me, makes sense. So that's, that's actually kind of interesting. Um, if if you do have like love and eternity, sort of both projected onto this character, this character. right? Because that thematically, that's quite interesting. Um, but once again, not not enough. <laughs> not, not enough. enough around not enough around it. To, to and that's that's such a frustrating yeah. thing. Yeah, I feel like out of all the MCU movies, this is a movie that I'm I'm trying really hard. To like find the logic in it, yeah. I feel like a lot of them very easy. You could be like, "This is cool. This is cool. This works. This works." Yeah. And with this one, I, I'm having to like almost feel like I have to make justifications. Yes. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because it's, it's Thor. It's Thor. You want this to be and fun. it's Taika, right? And, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for bright futures. We got Black Panther. We got Black Panther coming out. No trailer uh, yet. No trailer. Yeah. But one of the things that I found interesting was uh, I always assumed that Thor was a bigger name than Doctor Strange. Uh, just to the general populace. Just to the general populace, right? Yeah. It's one of the core Avengers right? since Phase 1. Yeah. This is the fourth movie, uh, but it, it made significantly less money. Oh. 140 million box office. Okay. Doctor Strange made 180 some million dollars box office. When is Doctor Strange released? During the school year. During? Yeah, but I mean it's yeah, May. May. That's never stopped them from no. making bank. Right. So I don't think that's really an issue. Um, Was there enough bad press? So here's the other thing. Yeah. It is also one of the lowest scoring cinema score movies. Yeah. It's a B plus, which is not bad. Right. But for a Marvel movie, this is low. Yeah. I want to say uh, it's tied for like the worst cinema scores. So here's the other thing plot-wise. You're going into Multiverse of Madness... Knowing that a WandaVision plots are going to be resolved mm -hmm. or at least expanded upon, b the multiverse seems to be an important thing in this next few phases of movies. This is obviously going to be expanded upon in that film, mm -hmm. so there's that plot anticipation to go see it right away. There's not as much mystery and intrigue surrounding this Thor movie, I feel like. Yeah, like, I mean, you but, got you got Mighty Thor, so you're like, oh, what's, so what's up? There's with that? there's a few yeah. things that I feel like it has going for it, though. It's got Mighty Thor, it's yeah. got the Guardians. People love the Guardians. People love the Guardians. People like Taika. Yeah, uh, and people generally like Thor. So yeah. that's that's where I'm like, uh, I guess yeah. maybe there's more. Yeah. But it's also the fact that when people went to see it, right, the cinema score being a B plus, yeah, tells me. They're not like telling people like, "Hey, you gotta go watch this yeah. like this weekend. You gotta go watch it now." Um, Whereas we stand for multiverse of madness. Yeah, you can, you can hear it on this podcast. We do. We yeah. do. Uh, the only other movie that's worse as far as cinema score is Eternal. So though it did tie with Doctor Strange. 
interesting. No, Multiverse of Madness. Interesting. Huh. That's an interesting... I always forget that movie is polarizing because the population is dumb. Yeah? Yeah. I can get behind people hating on Eternals. I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. But I can get behind people like being like, man, this movie is... Boring. Boring as fuck. Yeah. It's too long. Yeah. Uh, sex scene's not interesting enough. Right. But I, I still don't understand the hate for... For Multiverse, for Multiverse Madness. Uh, like I said in, in my short little Facebook blip, if someone told me they did not like this movie, I probably wouldn't throw hands. Yeah. Uh, if someone tells me Doctor Strange is bad, I will probably... Someone last night told us they loved this movie. And I wasn't ready to throw hands, but I was like, loved. Uh, uh, Colin. Colin said he loved it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. He also did admit that there was... That it was clearly altered and like cut up, and yeah. he wanted to see the original film. I'm like, all right, I'll, I won't throw hands, and I wouldn't have actually thrown hands because yeah. that's immature. That's immature. That's immature, children. Immature. Uh, don't throw hands over movies. Yes, don't throw hands over movies. Um, so, I, I think that's it's probably our most negative review of a, of a franchise movie that we feel like we would normally enjoy. Yeah, we were we were more positive about. Jurassic because <laughs> <laughs> that one you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Yes. I think I think that's also a thing of expectations. Yeah, and we're here's the here's the other thing. Here's my my one caveat with this movie before before we can wrap up if you want. This is the 29th MCU movie. Ooh. If it takes you 29 movies to make a movie that that makes me go, eh, yeah, like that's still really still fucking. Very impressive. Yes. And now I will say, though, that... I, but I think they're... Not that they're close to running out of goodwill, but I feel like they've got to... they got to try. They, they've got to they've try, but they've also got to set up the the point for these next movies. Lickety-split. Yeah. Which they're supposed it, to. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until... Until Avengers that, yeah. you, that you got... Thanos. Thanos is... Right. But... But you could say, though, that the Phase 1s were... The point was to assemble the Avengers. And then yeah. in Avengers, you reveal a threat. Yeah. Whereas now, there's there's still not, like, a... There's the multiverse, and that's there. And I know... I know the whole multiverse theory was always a thing, yeah. and I know that big threat seems to be Kane the Conqueror. Right. I mean, it seems appropriate for Kang to be big threat for this phase. Yeah. But that's not... He's not going to actually show up until the next Ant-Man and Wasp. Yeah. And that's still a few... Is that 24? Is, is it 24 or 23? Jesus. Um, Ant-Man the Wasp. Quantumania. 2023. All right. So next so year. So next year... Is this the May movie? Oh, February. Okay. So, so soon. Coming up. But, man, yeah. they are... They are... Yeah, they got to... They got a lot of fire under that ass. Yeah, which is good. Which is good. And I think we also need to remember that this first phase one was not universally lauded and loved. Yeah. You got Thor 1. You've got Iron Man 2. I do wonder how much of this was also a a post-pandemic impact. That's a good question. Because, I mean, these movies were pushed. All of these movies were supposed to come out way before this yeah and a lot of them had to the way they were shot had to be adjusted because right. of covid 
I know that's a reason why the volume became a very big thing. Yeah. Um, so, who knows? Maybe maybe now that now that the pandemic's over, yeah, quote unquote, uh, maybe things will change. COVID's over, buddy. Go get some Korean hot dogs. Hell yeah! Speaking of which, that's where we're, that's where we're going. Potentially off to. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to our very negative review. <laughs> But made made with care. Made with care. Yes. Um, but we will be we'll be back soon to review some more stuff. Yeah. Uh, check out there How should, I Met Your Mother in the summer. There should be some How I Met Your Mother stuff coming at you. Yep. We should have uh, mm-hmm. season five coming out this Friday. Yeah. We will record season six probably next week. I think so. Probably next. I week. think so. Uh, and then we will probably do Nope. Would be the next big release, I believe. Right. Yeah. I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. If we feel like doing any minor streaming thing, I don't know. We'll hit you all up. We'll hit you all up. All right, everybody. I'm Javier. I'm Thano. Until next time. Bye. Bye.